Hi, I'm Casey Kalsman, a 2022 Mirage Challenge scholarship winner, and here's what Mirage Challenge means to me. It means staying true to myself and not giving in to peer pressure. It means saying no to underage drinking and never getting into a vehicle with a driver who is impaired. It means setting a positive example for generations to follow. It means growing old and helping others do the same. I'm Casey Kalsman, and I accept Mirage Challenge. I hope you join me and show that you too are viewed tough. Today's episode of the Buttecast is brought to you by Casa Grande Steakhouse. Sure, you know you cannot beat Casa Grande steaks, chicken, marcella, and sushi, but did you know how much Butte's finest restaurant gives back to the community? Whether it is providing cooked-to-perfection entrees for the American Legion baseball concession stand or feeding the Butte High Bulldogs during their team meals, Casa Grande's is all about the mining city. Dine in and be treated like family. You can also have Casa Grande's handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Casa Grande's is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast. Now, let's get the show started. Welcome to the Buttecast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world, Butte America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad, Bill Foley. In 2012, I wrote a column for Butte Sports calling today's podcast guest the man who saved Montana football. Sure, that might sound like a little bit of hyperbole, but it really wasn't. In the spring of 2012, the Montana Grizzly football program was spiraling out of control with off-field issues that cost the head coach and the athletic director their jobs. Then, Mick Delaney stepped up to take over and instantly stabilize the program. He restored its credibility in a matter of seconds just by being there. Then, in three years, Coach Delaney's Grizzlies went 2-1 and one against Montana State, potentially costing Coach Ash his job in Bozeman. When he took over that Grizzly head coaching job, Coach Delaney was staring at 70 years old. He put off his retirement for the sake of the Grizzly program, and today it is still better off because of that. That three-year run coaching the Grizzlies proved to be a perfect ending for a coaching career that saw Coach Delaney work with some amazing coaches and athletes and have a tremendous amount of success. I first got to know Coach Delaney when I was at Butte Central Junior High School. We got out of school early on Fridays, so a bunch of us boys would always head over to the Vu Villa to goof around and have a little lunch. Mick ran the pizza shop, and his brother Charlie ran the bar. Instead of ordering two or three pizzas to make life easier for Coach Delaney, we would each order our own sandwich with a special order. There would be like 15 of us there, too. And we always wondered why Charlie seemed to be in the better mood of the two Delaney brothers. At the time, I had no idea Coach Delaney was Coach Delaney. I just thought he was the guy who made our sandwiches and pizzas. I didn't know he coached at Montana State with Sonny Lubick. I had no idea that he led the Great Falls High Bison to the 1974 state championship in football, beating the Butte High Bulldogs in Butte in the title game. I had no idea he was a coach until I read in the paper that he was leaving the pizza and sandwich business behind to replace Mick Dennehy as head coach and AD at Montana Western. Then, Coach Delaney went with Coach Lubick to Colorado State to become part of a coaching staff that led an unprecedented run of success in Fort Collins. Today, Coach Delaney welcomed me into his home for a fun conversation. Listen as the coach talks about his playing and coaching days. Listen as he talks about some of the players and coaches he got to work with over the years. 
Listen to hear how being the man who saved Montana football really helps when he needs to get a tea time. If you have been listening to the Buttecast and like what you hear, I encourage you to support the sponsors who bring us these fun conversations. Even if you don't like what you hear, please support the sponsors anyway. Also, please tell your friends about the podcast and show the less than technologically savvy people in your life how they too can listen in. Now, let's catch up with a man who proved to be great at making sandwiches and even better at coaching football, Mick Delaney. Well, Coach, I appreciate your time today. I know you got a lot of time to work on the golf course to do here, so I didn't want to take too much time from you. Yeah, well, we've got a little nasty weather out there today. Bill. <laughs> the wind's blowing again and a little rain, but, yeah, we're finally getting to play a little golf, not here in Butte, but in Missoula, so that's good. Is it easier to get a tee time now that you had three years as head coach of the Grizz instead of being an assistant? Uh yeah, probably a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah, if I just call and tell them who, tell them who I am and what I'd like, they usually take still take pretty good care of me in Missoula, so that's always good. Yeah, because being head coach of the Grizz, that's that comes with some perks. Well, I don't usually try to take advantage of them, except for golf. You know, I Eagle Bend and Buffalo Hills and Whitefish and Polson and Missoula. I do and Billings once yeah. in a while. Well, I drop your guys' name, the two mixed names every time I go somewhere. You know, hey, I'm from Butte, you know, you know, Grizz Territory, home of two Grizz coaches named Mick. And they probably start throwing eggs at you, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think in, in, you know, it's hard. That's a hard job being a Grizz head coach, as you know, you know, you're, everyone wants to fire you, or half the crowd wants to fire you every game, it seems like. But uh, I think when looking in hindsight, the, the two mix are looked at pretty well, I think. I, well, we both had, you know, really, really positive experiences, I think, uh, Bill. You know, I, I, I told some people one time, I don't know if I told you, but you, you know, you talk about Butte and Butte coaches, and, of course, Mick and I, being from Butte uh, and, and Jiggs Dahlberg were, you know, head coaches at Montana from Butte, the three of us, and then Jim Sweeney and, and Sonny Lubick and Sonny Holland, three coaches from Butte at Montana yeah. State. I think that's probably unheard of across the United States that six head coaches in the in their home state would come from the same city. And a lot of them Western guys too, right? Uh, Mick and no, no, let's see, I'm Western. I think I'm the only one that's Western. The rest were either University right. of Montana or Montana State. Well, I know Sonny was Western too, Sonny Lubick. So yeah. Sonny and I Western and Sonny Holland uh, and Sweeney, well, Sweeney was Portland. Uh, Sonny Holland, Montana State, and uh, of course Jiggs Dahlberg, Montana, and Mick, Montana. Yeah, and when Mick also coached at Western too. Yeah, he a did. Bit I, to in say. fact, I replaced him at Western. Yeah, you guys have uh, uh, similar backgrounds in that. In well, that you know, I recruited Mick and coached him as a freshman at the University of Montana. I was coaching at uh, the Grizz at that time with Jack Swarth out and and Jack Elway and that bunch. So I actually coached Mick as a freshman. Oh, really? He was uh, well. He was pretty fast, wasn't he? You know, he wasn't exceptionally fast. He was just so, so physical and so tough. Just tough. Such a great competitor. You know, he was just, uh, he was a, a, a real stalwart in, in the Grizzly secondary playing over there uh, uh, when they won the national championship. He just was a really, really good football player. We we have a great story. I was coaching him as a freshman, and, and uh, we played four games, I think, at that time. We played Montana State maybe twice and maybe Montana Tech's varsity and then usually another game Rick's junior college or we played Air Force freshman one year but anyway 
that year towards the end of the season, I think it was our fourth game, we, we, we were kicking off and Mick wasn't on the kickoff team. And somebody had gotten hurt, and so I grabbed him and shoved him in there. And he went running down, covered the kickoff, and separated his shoulder. So he's never forgiven me for that. <laughs> but that probably still hurts. When he, yeah, when he hits a bad shot in the golf course, now he turns to me and said, it's because you put me in there on that kickoff that I, <laughs> that I can't hit the ball straight. Seems like a legitimate gripe, huh? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Of course, he was, uh, he was a Butte High star back in the day. Yeah, he uh, he was playing at Butte High when I was coaching at Butte Central. Also, with yeah. I, w I was with Coach Petrino, Bob Petrino then, and uh, I think Mick might have been a sophomore the year that we beat them, or a junior. Should have been playing quarterback, wasn't. They had a senior quarterback, and well, we beat Butte High that year, which put Petrino in a in a class all by himself. He had played in a game that had beaten Butte High, and then twenty whatever years later, or thirty, coached a team that had beat Butte High. And, I'll never forget. We thought, man, this is it. You know, we're off and running. This year we'll have the best team in the history of Butte Central. I think we won four games in Butte. I won three that year. So neither one of us were really very good. Yeah, but you remember the one that you won, though. We remembered that one because yeah. it only happened a few times, you know, in the, from the 30s or 40s until the yeah. until the uh, 60s. It only happened a couple times. Yeah, and what you graduated, what, 61? 61, yeah. And you played, uh, were you on and at list? I saw... On your Hall of Fame plaque, said you ever played, and was that defensive end? Slow, uh, slow white tight end. Tight end <laughs> <laughs> and defensive Which end. Which tight end back in those days was kind of like uh, offensive tackle too, yeah, right? If you got a pass, it was a miracle. <laughs> yeah. How was your teams then? You know, we were we had good football teams at Central. We were in, in Class AA at that time. You know, us and Anaconda both. Yeah. And uh, we were really, really competitive. Of course, Butte High was you know, was very, very good my yeah. junior and senior year. And then the year following that, they had a, a run, I think, of three state championships or two for sure. So, but we were very, very competitive in, in, in double A in both football and basketball. Yeah. And did you wrestle or did you... No, uh, they had just kind of started wrestling. I played basketball, but I went, when I, I, went, guess I right, went to yeah. Western, uh, the first two years there, I played football and basketball. Oh, really? I didn't realize that. I knew you were a wrestling coach. So I just assumed yeah. maybe you wrestled, but wrestling no, probably wasn't just, quite uh, a couple years after. When that. I was in college, I, uh, as a sophomore in college down at Western, I started to help with the high school with a coach by the name of Dick Menti, who was a, an all-time, forever Montana wrestling coach, and just kind of started to learn from him, and, and then went on and was very fortunate to have wrestling mentors like Jug Beck and. And Jack Cohn over in Helena, and Tom LaProuse and Bozeman, and Rudy Sabo in Great Falls, and you know, just guys. Some legendary names. Along. Yeah, just great, great wrestling coaches that started, you know, the wrestling programs in Montana. That was kind of like mm -hmm. Sam Jankovic, and either one of us knew diddly about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> what were you better at football or basketball? Was I? Yeah. You know, probably in high school, I was a better basketball player than yeah. I was a football player. Really? I know you, you like basketball. Uh, you, you'd. Well, you grew up watching like Obilovich and, and Sullivan and stuff, didn't you? Yeah, those, those guys were two years ahead of me. They were seniors when I was a sophomore. Uh, well, Bilovich three, but okay, you know, I thought they were a little older than that. Okay. Dusty Down, Sullivan, and and that bunch, you know, were just uh, some tremendous basketball players in in Butte at that time. Butte Central won the state championship in 1956, which I was in the eighth grade that year, and that was Tom Lester and. Jim Schneider and no, my cousin yeah. Jim Stanton and one of the Hogans and uh, one of the Kingstons, just a really, really good basketball team. 
Yeah. Well, I remember uh, you're, you're obviously pretty fond of that teams with Obilovich and when they played because I remember they brought up at a Hall of Fame one time when they were discussing the 1989 Butte High team going in and I said something about that might have been, you know, even though they didn't win, they're one of the best teams Butte High's ever had and boy, your hand hits the table <laughs> <laughs> calling out BS, Obilovich, and you go, these guys would have waxed their ass. <laughs> and you know, that was, yeah, that was, you know, Obilovich and, and Van Newland and, and Danny Lane and Whiskey Jack Evans, and gosh, they just had, you know, some really, really good basketball players in that little stretch at, at Butte High. And then, of course, Sullivan, Dan Sullivan at Butte Central, he and Obilovich both went to Montana, and yeah. that was when they were both in the, or Montana was still in the skyline at that time. And, you know, I think Obilovich still, I, I, I can't verify this without looking it up, but I think he might still be one of the few athletes at the University of Montana that had 12 varsity letters uh, <laughs> foreign football, foreign basketball, and, and foreign baseball. Isn't that crazy? Because we have two Butte High boys that do that, you know? It's just in high school, it's so hard to do it when you do every sport. Yeah. In college, you usually, you, I mean, well, now I, you just do one. Like I say, I, I, I that's not a fact, but I'm yeah. pretty sure that he either had 11 or 12. Yeah, I believe he did have 12. Yeah. At, at the and he was all conference in all three sports. Yeah, just, just an unbelievable athlete and a great, great person, too. I, I've stayed in touch with Bob through the years, although now I haven't seen him since I quit coaching in Montana. But he always came down to in the spring and looked at our kids because he was involved yeah. in management, you know, and stuff in, in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, I got a chance to meet him. I think it was their 50th reunion. And Sullivan called and told me Bob Obilovich was going to be in town, so I went down and did a story for him for the Montana Standard. And he, yeah, he just came down to the library. Me and Walt, Walter Hennig sat down with him and uh, just a, gave just us like two a hours. Just a real you know? gentleman. And his brother Jack was a year ahead of me. And Jack was a – well, he went in the Hall of Fame posthumously yeah. the, the year that I went in, the yeah. Butte Hall of Fame. And Jack was a tremendous athlete. But Bob might – you know, in my estimation anyway, in the modern era – is probably the best athlete that that came out of Butte. Yeah. Was there a lot of? Uh, did you did you know each other when you went to Central? Did you know the Butte High kids very well? Oh yeah. Did you? Yeah, a lot of my friends, you know, my close friends are uh, were Butte High yeah. players and and athletes and neighbors, you know, and we grew up together. So I had a lot of really close friends at Butte High, and I married a Butte High girl. So yeah, yeah it uh, Butte High was good to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny because, well, I know when Obilovich and Sullivan roomed together, of course, it wasn't that they were Butte High and Butte Central rooming together. You know, it was the, the nationalities and religions, you know. Yeah, you know, was that, a big deal. Uh, that was really a big deal. Like, you know, the Serbians and, of course, the Irish Catholics, it was, yeah. a, it was a, a huge deal. But, you know, they were, the two of them together were, you know, were dynamite basketball players for the Grizz. Yeah. Now, did you know you were going to be a coach from a young age when you played? You know, uh, as I grew older and, you know, and, and got into coaching, I look back and, you know, I lived on the west side on, on West Park Street right across from the McKinley School. And we, we you know, as, as a group, the Hawks lived a block away from me and the Crippens and Kirkpatricks and those kids. But it seemed like I was always one of the two or three guys that lined the field with the flower, you know, and baseball <laughs> and, and set up the goal lines for football and and. I always was really involved in, in trying to organize, 
you know, outdoor activities, which was every single day of the week. We were, you know, that's all we did is yeah. play with the ball one way, shape, or form. Didn't have an Xbox back in those days. No, <laughs> no, God, we, we played, you know, basketball outside in the wintertime and shovel the alley off, and, and everybody had a hoop usually on their garage or in the alley somewhere, and in football we played. I still, I drive up to Tech now, and, you know, the house that's on the railroad tracks there, the mayor lived there, Tim Sullivan, and that little piece of grass is slanted <laughs> you know it looks like this and i thought we thought that was naranchi stadium you know because <laughs> yeah. it had grass on it <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome and uh, was charlie playing with you then He's you know we were then. enough apart uh didn't do a lot of things together at that time uh some basketball i mean we yeah we we just didn't really hang out a lot together yeah. back and you know growing up uh, because of our age difference yeah, how many siblings were there? Just Charlie and I. Really? Yeah, that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> was he a pain in the ass as a no, little brother? I or? think I was a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> he could probably get you back later on, though, oh, with his uh, one-liners. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he's got such a great sense of humor. and You know, it was tough for him, I think, to actually to follow me because he wasn't huge on athletics, you know. He, yeah. Not like I was, anyway. He was more mechanically inclined god he could do anything even at that time you know and he ended up going on being an electrician but he's uh you know he's a plumber he's a carpenter he's an electrician and all those things i can't do at all <laughs> he learned all the life lessons and i learned all the sport lessons yeah yeah so he could so if the brakes he could fix it uh charlie help or just sherry's brother-in-law jack walsh help you know just yeah they come and do something say just get out of our way and leave us alone and we'll take care of it yeah so you coached at central after you went to western then yeah i did i came and back to i i came back to central and in, in the fall of 1965 with bob petrino he had just gotten the head job moved from harlow town to to uh to butte and uh, i actually went and interviewed for his job and in harlow town as i was graduating and then i was offered the job and he called and said well you know you can go there and make decent money or you can come to central and have great exposure in class a football and of course you know at that time i still thought you could eat hail mary's and our fathers so <laughs> <laughs> i took the job at central yeah. and uh and uh, turned down the job at harlow town that he had just left how uh were you a coach similar to him when you were younger because he was kind of uh drill sergeant like coach wasn't he yeah, it uh, it was interesting to say the least. Uh, just Bob had a great, great football mind, and and uh, you know his style of coaching was the Sweeney style, the, uh, you know the Bear Bryant style, kick yeah. you in the behind and drag you around by the face mask. And I did that for the first couple of years because I thought that's the way it should be done. But as as I was in it two or three years, I thought you know there's got to be a better way than this and that. I, I felt like I had a ton of enthusiasm and energy, but, you know, I didn't, I, I don't know the best way to put that. I, I wanted to be more positive, I guess, than yeah. a lot of the coaches were at that time. And that was just the way it was. I mean, that's how yeah. you coached, you know, was the kids played out of fear instead of out of respect. And, and I played out that way, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, playing for Sweeney as a freshman and then as Jensen later on. I mean, that just, that was the nature of how, how people coached and, I was very fortunate to go over to the University of Montana as a, as at that time, graduate assistant or whatever you wanted to call him. But I worked under Jack Swarthout and Jack Elway, and then I went to Great Falls under Gene Carlson, and and of course then to Montana State under Sonny. So I, you know, I saw both sides yeah. of it, and I, uh, I, I really liked the size where side where as coaches started coaching started to change, 
where you know you wanted the kids to you could coach hard and tough but in the same turn you wanted to let them know you know that you cared about them too and, yeah. and that you loved them not that the coaches earlier didn't but it was just the way that yeah. it was in back in the 50s and 60s yeah you were you were one of the good cops then like there's i know when i my first year at central i played coach peoples was 25 and he was a miniature uh, bob petrino in his mind i think you know he played for him and, but everybody was trying to be like even though they're guys guys i all know and like i didn't like then because they were <laughs> they yeah. were all the hard you the know hard and asses. that's the way that it was because they but, were hard asses and, yeah and you know, I, I come to find out, I think, pretty early in my career, thank goodness, that you could coach really, really hard, but you had to do it a little differently, you know, yeah. and, and uh, I don't know, it just, uh, it was just, uh, what, you know, what are you going to adapt or how, how, how do you want to do what you're doing? And I, I wanted to see if there was a different way, and I found there was a, a different way, and not that that way didn't work. Uh, Coach yeah. Petrino won tons of football games, you know, and at Central and at Carroll, and so it, you know, it's just a, a matter of, of you know, what is your choice personality-wise. Yeah, that's why, of course, that you know, there's people probably laugh when I'd say that Coach Peoples was a hard ass back in 1989, because the, the difference between being a hard ass in '89 and 1960 is probably light years. Yeah, it was a little bit different, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a little bit different. He's probably, man, we're coddling <laughs> these guys. What are they crying about? <laughs> yeah, we, uh, you know, playing for us. And you know, when I was in high school in the 50s, late 50s and early 60s, we practiced down at, I'm sure you heard the stories, at Emmett Field, where West Junior High is now. And we walked from where Boy Central was. We were still all boys at that time to the field and back, which has got to be probably a mile and a half each way. And yeah. In those days, boy, you didn't dare go to a garden hose and get water or, <laughs> you know, anything else. It was it was always a challenge, and, and, you know, they always had a coach or two following you around to make sure you didn't stop and drink water. And, you know, as time went on, you thought, God, that's probably the worst thing that ever. That's probably why I'm so screwed up. Right <laughs> Getting yeah. hit in the head with the old leather helmets and not being able to hydrate. Yeah. was Hus What was Hus like as a coach? Oh, God, he was tough. He well, was so tough. But, uh, you know, just loved the guy to death. I, I, I even did then because I really, even at that time, thought, you know, that's what I want to do as coach. So I just... Uh, uh, I loved Hus to death, but boy, he was tough. <laughs> yeah, Tudos. All the stories I have of Hud are from Tudo Stagnoli, so they're a little slanted. But he, he of course, and Tudo loved them too. Yeah, Tudo. Tudo had just graduated when I came back to Central. Uh, the uh, the two Petrino twins and Ron Mearns and uh, Mick Cavern and Dan Reagan, Rick Priscilla. You know, I'm sure I'm I'm missing some guys, but. You know, they were the seniors in that class when we when we came back when I came back to Central as a I was only twenty one years old when yeah. I go, came back to Central. Yeah, you were much older. Yeah, you coached my dad, and you're not much older than my dad. <laughs> not a, not noticeably, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so then uh, a few years after, what well, you so you learned that you couldn't uh, eat hail marys in our father, so you went to Great Falls. Well, I went to the University of Montana for two oh, years, okay. and then from there to Great Falls High. So Bill Swarthout was the principal that. Great Falls High, Jack's brother, who was oh, the okay. head coach at the University of Montana, and, and Gene Carlson was a was a Grizz grad. So uh, when I when I left Montana, it was one of those deals. You know, I was young, and uh, I was there a, a, a spring and a fall and a winter. And uh, Coach Swarthout, Jack had offered me a job to stay. You know, as a as a full time assistant that following fall, and the legislature cut some funds and and. 
you know, didn't didn't do it until June or early July, and so I'm sitting there in Missoula with two kids, <laughs> no job, <laughs> wondering what the heck I'm going to do, and and uh, so, you know, when that happened, Coach Jacksworth called his brother Bill in Great Falls and said, "Hey, I have a, a young guy here. I'd really like you to hire," and and Bill did hire me, and so I I was very very fortunate to go to Great Falls High. Yeah, what you was assistant for a few years, and then your head yeah, coach for about four uh, or five I, years. I was an assistant in football for. Gosh, I think five years. I was an assistant in wrestling for two years and then took over the head wrestling, or three years, I guess, then took over the head wrestling job uh, also. also. And then when Gene left Great Falls and went to the University of Montana, I took the head football job at Great Falls High. Okay. And then you, you won a state title beating Butte High at Alumni Coliseum in, Mar- right. in Butte. They were throwing whiskey bottles yeah, and knives at me. <laughs> you, yeah, well, I was wondering, what was that like being a Butte guy coaching against Butte High it in the championship fantastic. game? Fantastic, <laughs> especially being a Butte Central guy. Yeah. You know, uh, kind of a, a, a humorous deal of that whole situation was when, when uh, Sonny Lubick left and went to Montana State, Cliff Heisel and I both interviewed for the job at Butte High. Oh, really? And Cliff Heisel did, too. Yeah, and neither, we were together at Great Falls High at that yeah. time, and neither one of us even got a smell, so yeah. it was really nice to come back and kick their butt. <laughs> yeah. And you did? It was like 23 yeah. nothing, something so like that? I can't remember, but we, yeah. we handled them pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You were pro- it was pro- that was an era where a Butte Central grad was probably not going to have a chance to get a Butte High job, right? Yeah, well, Sonny was, a, you know, Sonny Lubick. Oh, was Sonny a Butte Central? And he was a Butte Central guy. Okay, so yeah, I guess he, I, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Well, it was really unusual. Yeah. put it that way. It yeah. was the same thing in Great Falls. Just to come from a Catholic school in Butte, they didn't hire you in Great Falls. Really? So I think when I got the job there, it was, well, it went, I don't think, I know it was because of the Swarthouts. Yeah. And I'm not sure that the superintendent of schools realized that I was from Butte <laughs> <laughs> and an Irish Catholic on yeah. top of it. Yeah. Yeah, you were a Missoula guy then, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and this, so then... Uh, did you see, still coach after you won the championship, or did you move on after that one? You know, I coached uh, in football. We won a, a state championship in wrestling, and then when I became the head football coach, won one state championship. Yeah. But we won, I think we won four football championships and three wrestling championships and three track championships in the time that I was at Great Falls High. We had a stretch of two years, Billy, where we won football, basketball, wrestling, and track in Class AA at Great Falls High. Right. Just a tremendous amount of fantastic athletes. Yeah, and you got to play at that one of the coolest stadiums around, too. You know, at that time, Memorial Stadium and, and the one in Billings were, were pretty similar, but Memorial yeah. Stadium was a beautiful high school facility. Yeah. And, you know, Naranchi was, too, but, you know, by that time... Uh, Butte Hyatt started playing out at East rather than yeah. at Naranchi. So, uh, yeah, Memorial Stadium in Great Falls and Dallas Stadium in, in Billings were really special high school facilities. Yeah, and Naranchi was pretty was getting probably pretty worn down by the time you played there, right? Uh, when I played there, it was still, you know, it was old, but it was yeah. still dirt. It was still good. And and then when they put the grass in out at, out at uh, East Junior High, I always said that's when Butte High got soft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I, that's, I, that's not true. That's yeah. a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I I joked when they put the the astroturf down there that there's got to be a bunch of old football players rolling in their graves. Yeah, you, you know, know that, and had to move all the glass and rocks and crap yeah. out of there to lay down the astroturf. But <laughs> you know, I I had just come back to uh, the University of Montana when when they opened that. In fact, my grandson 
was a senior at Bozeman High when Butte High beat him in the yeah. in the new facility. And man, that was awesome! <laughs> what yeah. a night that well, was. That was a great game. Yeah, Denny he kicked the only thing through the goalpost in his whole career to win the, to <laughs> yeah. win the state championship. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I I watched that video and I still have a hard time believing it happened. You know, I stand on the sideline holding the mic for the radio sideline. You know. I and I still have it. Yeah, my grandson was a senior at Bozeman High at that time. He couldn't believe it either. <laughs> he was a senior. I see. Yeah. Because a lot of those guys next year they got back and won it. Yeah. So they got to wash that taste out of their mouth. Yeah. You know. So uh, yeah, that wouldn't be that would be a hard way to lose. Of course, that's the great all the great endings of football yeah. games. There's all half the people there. It's not so great. You know, <laughs> and but you know, it was just such an electric atmosphere. Again, it was really, really. You know, uh, uh, a memory thing back to what Naranchi Stadium. Yeah. I could remember uh, my dad and uncle taking me there when the Grizzlies played the Bobcats in the 40s. Yeah. You know, at Nar- and they played that at Naranchi Stadium for a period of time. And it just uh, was such a special place. Yeah. And it's kind of cool that it's a special place again. You know, and you it know? looks exactly, I mean, in, in retrospect, it's almost exactly the same as it was yeah. back then. You know, there was, I think it's, probably seated another three or four i don't know they said they could get seven thousand or eight thousand in there in the old days I, yeah i don't know if i believe that but yeah you never still, believe the people <laughs> counting the attendance at some no, of those games you know every every citizen that ever went through butte was there for the championship games and you know that would be a hundred thousand people yeah it only held seven thousand yeah. yeah they were all there they were all there <laughs> they were all there for the the copper bowl when lyle alzado played yeah and when exactly. cecil fielder hit the, the really far home run you know, hundreds of thousands of people saw that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. even though there was only like 250 at that Copper Kings yeah, game. I will say Sherry was a cheerleader at Tech when Lyle Alzada played. She? Yeah, so <laughs> so she, she was has there. a legit. <laughs> <laughs> she can prove it. Though. Yeah, yeah. So was it was it hard playing on that field in, as Naranchi as they say? Is it? It was it. You know, I I guess it was. You just I mean our practice field, as I was telling you down on the, yeah. on the west side, was dirt. Uh, that that's all we knew, and it really, you know that that facility with that type of texture so to speak i mean it was a mixture of sawdust and and dirt and really there weren't boulders and glass and all that that's all bs but you know it was a good facility to play on especially when it got cold yeah it was probably softer than what you practiced on it really was it was softer well you know we did we practiced on dirt too but it was softer (laughs) than a lot of the grass fields really i think that were around the state you know the old dorn blazer and of course great falls and billings and and Bozeman and Helena and you know those places were all grass and when it got cold they were just like playing out in the street where you know the the dirt fields you could kind of they'd work them and yeah you know they'd freeze but it still wasn't it it was it was great to play on yeah it was uh well it seemed like it was like almost a legendary the advantage you had mental you know mentally you that's had, what it was was all you know? mental you know because I, I talked to somebody from i can't remember who it was a guy who played it in for anaconda he said we were down seven nothing before we got off the bus oh for sure you yeah. know i can remember guys saying oh he threw dirt in my eyes and <laughs> there are big chunks of glass in there and all yeah. that i said you're that's all crap you got you were beat you thought those things before you ever got there yeah that's probably you think it's going to happen it's going to happen right yeah that's uh, that's awesome and so then you go you leave uh Great Falls, did you go right to Montana State then? I went to Montana State with and, Sonny at that time. Were you the assistant head coach? Is that Yeah, at Montana State I was, and, and at Colorado State I, I was. You know, Sonny's got a great sense of humor, such a, a tremendous person and, and great, great coach. And I right 
I think it was our second or third to last year, he finally got his 100th victory as a head coach, or not yeah. finally, but got yeah. his. And I said, you know, Coach, I was with you for every single one of those games that you won as a head coach. And he just looked at me and he said, yeah, and you were there for every loss too. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew how to keep you humble. <laughs> yeah. So what year did you go to Montana State then? Uh, were you there for the championship? No, no. Uh, uh, Sonny Holland was still... They oh, had, Sonny, okay, yeah, Lubick was right the between champion. the championships, yeah. that's right. And then when, when Sonny retired, Sonny Holland retired, Sonny Lubick got the job, and that's when I went. Actually, it would have been, uh, what would it have been, December of 78 or 77, okay. 77, 78, when Sonny Holland retired. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's, and that's something that the, you replaced. We talk about, you didn't replace Mick, Mick Dennehy, but you were a few coaches behind him. But having two coaches named Mick from Butte is kind of a funny thing. But the the, Grizz, the Bobcats, they replaced a Sonny from Butte with a Sonny from Butte. Yeah, you know, there's just so many weird uh, coincidences that happen, yeah. you know, between the between the Butte thing and the name thing and the football thing. It's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Congratulations to this week's Lescovar Honda Athletes of the Week, Butte Central senior Brooke Badovinick and Butte High senior Sean Ocello. Badovinick takes home the girls' honor for the second time, but the first time as a softball player. She had two big games at the plate as BC fell at Corvallis and Hamilton. Against Corvallis, the slick field and shortstop went 3-for-3 three three with a home run, two walks, and five RBIs. The next day against Hamilton, Badovinick went 1-for-3 with a triple, RBI, and two walks. Ocello, the speedy center fielder for Butte High's baseball team, takes home the boys' award after setting the table as the Bulldogs swept Sydney in Columbus. The leadoff hitter went 1-for-2 with a walk, two runs, and two stolen bases as Butte High won the opener 12-0. Then, Ocello went 2-for-3 with a double, three RBIs, two runs scored, and four stolen bases as Butte High took the second game 13-0. Congratulations, Brooke and Sean, and thank you, Lescovar Honda, for recognizing the hard-working student-athletes of the Mining City. Hey Butte America, John Davis here at Lescobar Honda. We just received a new shipment of cars, trucks, and SUVs, and we have them priced to move. Our new vehicles come with a 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty and two years or 24,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. Most of our pre-owned vehicles come with the same 20-year, 200,000-mile warranty with most makes and models on our lot. And, of course, all prices are clearly marked. Stop on down and see us, Lescovar Honda. Are you looking for a place to host a special event or a party? Or just looking for a drink served by the best mixologist in town? Look no further than 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino. Take a step back in time and enjoy some of our signature cocktails such as an Old Fashioned or a Pink Mate. Stop in for happy hour Monday through Thursday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. and 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday for $2 cans of your favorite beer, or two for five seltzers or well mixers. Or try one of our tap beers for just $5, along with weekly specialty cocktails. Located underneath the Miners Hotel, where Butte locals receive a 20% discount on rooms, 51 Below has live music every Friday night. So stop by 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino for a good time with good friends and great drinks. And don't forget to dial five. Lockmer Plumbing is more than Butte's complete union plumbing shop. Whether it is sponsoring Little League Baseball, high school athletics, Montana Tech, Youth Racing, 4-H, Mining City Christmas, Action Inc.'s Homeless Solution Program, Head Start, or Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Butte, Lockmer Plumbing is always looking out for the people of the Mining City. 
Owned and operated by Troy and Amy Lockmer since 2002, Lockmer Plumbing can handle all your residential, commercial, and industrial plumbing needs as well as making repairs and installations on all plumbing and boiler systems. In the heart of Uptown Butte, Lockmer Plumbing can also assist on new construction and planning for your new home or development. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerPlumbing.com today. Lockmer Plumbing has your pipes covered and so much more. This message is brought to you by Anode Designs in Anaconda. I know what you're all thinking. Foley, you twit. Why are you letting this Anaconda hack get connected with the Butte cast? Well, folks, money talks. Anode Designs is a printing and direct-to-garment shop in Anaconda. But that's not all we do. We actually specialize in embroidery and graphic design. We also dabble in sign creation and vinyl banners, also decals for your motor vehicles. Now, there are so many great options for screen printers out there. Take 5518, for example. You all know the work John and company do in Butte. And like me, they support local guys like this who started a podcast. Really original. But if your current printer is too busy to get your job done in a timely fashion, why not give us a try? For a limited time only, all new businesses who place an order with Anode Designs will get their screen, embroidery, and graphic design origination fees waived. Just call 406-563-0121 or email anodedesignsllc at gmail.com and use the code FOLEYWHO during the consultation. Anode Designs is a proud supporter of the Buttecast and is pushing hard to get more Anaconda talent on the show. Don't just take it from me. Listen to the buttery smooth voice of a Butte legend tell you. There's two things we like about Butte. It's 24 miles away and Tom O'Neill. Welcome to Copperhead Country. Well, and Sonny was, was he a hard, like the hard-ass coach kind of too, Sonny Lubick? Lubick? No, not at all. He and Sonny doesn't Holland seem like were, he has it in him. He and Sonny Holland were <clears throat> really great motivators. Yeah. But, you know, from a positive standpoint, just made you feel like, yeah. you know, you could do anything, you know, yeah. and... Uh, motivated you in that way and and again both both sonnies were that way uh, mick on the other hand mick Dennehy, he he was tough you know yeah. he, he got after not that we all didn't but you know again just personality things are are all different yeah well i remember he did not like the media mick Dennehy, <laughs> and i was in the media you know and but i was the i was a writer for the school paper and he didn't like the Missoulian guys. He didn't like this, but he was always good to me because I was a Butte guy. Because you were from Butte, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it was a, an unwritten law that you didn't like anybody that worked for the Kaiman. Yeah. Was... <laughs> oh, it, it, it really stepped up under Bobby. But, but yeah, they, and I got that too, because you go places and they just, coaches immediately didn't like you or didn't trust you. Because the Kaiman was always, there was always people at the Kaiman trying to make Watergate out of the out of the athletic department. Exactly, and you know they had a, had a reason. Right after I'd left the university, they had the, you know, the work study scandal, so yeah. to speak, and uh, was towards the end of, of Jack Swarth out and Jack Elway and and Bill Betcher and that crew, Ron Nord. But you know, so yeah, that was uh, and the Kaiman was all the I mean, yeah. Uh, we on the side of the athletic side always thought the Kaiman was a communist newspaper. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I was trying to be, a, uh, I'm trying to just be at cover sports, you know, and, and I was, I was there and they had the, there was a big frat fight and they were trying to, my friends were turning that into the biggest story ever, you know, and uh, Mick was ready to kill people over that. And, uh, and I had to go talk to Mick about Saturday's game. <laughs> and he was he was always pretty good to be he said about the frat fight you know he goes i'm not an investigative reporter because but there was a fight involving there was two football players and one of them was breaking it up <laughs> he, said, yeah. he said i'm not an investigative reporter and i got that in five minutes one of them might have been his son <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it could have been yeah <laughs> yeah so it was i know that 
I, I understand. I, I think I, you know, I see, I see why the Kaiman was unliked by those people, you know, or by the, the people in the athletic department though. But, uh, I had to, I had to deal with it as, <laughs> as, as not a, being like, yeah, exactly. but luckily there were some good coaches there. You know, like Dick Scott was a great volleyball oh, coach gosh, that I got to yeah. deal with. He treated me pretty well. And Robin Selvig was always great and Blaine Taylor. So I, I actually, all the head coaches I liked, I think it was more the, more the sports information department that really didn't like us. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, you're kind of treading on their territory, I guess they thought uh, but, yeah. or, or whatever. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, but once the coaches realized that I was just there to, to write a story about the game, you know, and just to do my job, I, they treated me pretty well. Well, I'll tell you one thing, Bill. If you weren't from Butte, they probably wouldn't have treated you as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think that was part of the criteria Yeah, and, as uh, to whether people were civil. If they were working for the Cayman and they were from Butte, at least they had a chance to, you know, to talk to people. If not, it was a tough goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it always was. And it, was there a school paper like that at uh, Montana State? There I mean, I think they have there one. Was, but, but I don't ever remember being controversial. Don't have a don't have a journalism school department there to make <laughs> well, it. Well, that's true. You know, CSU yeah. was the same way. They they had a, a, yeah, they a huge a good... school newspaper, but I don't ever remember it being something that was just you know a yeah. clash every single every, minute everything, of every day. Yeah, every it's like Hav keeps telling everybody every story is not Watergate. <laughs> so uh, so you were a few years at at Montana State, and then. Uh, you were there when they, Sonny got fired, which I always talk about that being one of the worst moves they could have possibly ever made, you know. It really was, you know, and, and uh, the reasons were a lot of people don't understand them, and, and you know, it's nobody's business except for those that were involved. Yeah. But it, it was a tough deal, you know, because it, uh, Sonny had, had continued on. They didn't, we didn't win a national championship. I mean, guys but did, we though. won two big yeah. sky championships, and then had one bad season and had some things off the field things that 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 happened and and so yeah Sonny got fired and and then I at that time uh, my first wife Patsy Mufich was very ill so I came back to Butte that's I, I left Bozeman and well I actually I don't not a lot of people don't know I took the head job at Bozeman High after we got fired at Montana State in January and uh, with it wasn't a teaching job at that time but I you know, got the way program going and, and mm. morning stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And then the mill levy failed in May. And so I'm sitting there in May. I don't have a job. And I, <laughs> I think I'm going to be, you know, teaching yeah. at the high school and, and coaching at Bozeman High. And my son was a freshman at Bozeman High at that time. Some really good athletes in his class. And so May came and they, the mill levy failed. And I said, well, we don't have a teaching job because the mill levy failed. And yeah. so I thought, here I am again. What am I going to yeah. do? Well, at that time... Forrest Wilson had retired as a part-time AD at Tech, and mm. uh, I looked into that, and Pete had asked my brother if he wanted to buy the VU. Mm. So uh, be, be, being with Patsy being so ill and our family here and a chance to, you know, to work at, at Tech and then also to buy the, the VU, we decided that was the best thing to do at that time. So that's when I came back to Butte, yeah. which was 1982, I believe. Yeah, and the... So you're out. You're out of coaching for what about five years? And were you? Uh, five or six years. Yeah. yeah, I was the AD at Tech for three and a half, almost four years. I lay claim to fame. I said I was the one that hired Calvin Sampson, but I really wasn't. Yeah. Doctor Demoni hired him. Yeah. I was the part-time AD. But yeah, Doctor Demoni. Well, that was a good move. Yeah. yeah, that's a good move. Put on the resume. Yeah. So, but yeah, and I, you know, I enjoyed the the administrative part of Tech, and and then you know just kind of worked the vu and thought probably coaching was out of the question and. 
then uh, when Mick started football again at Western McDenehy, he left for Montana, and, and uh, Mike Easton, who was the president at Western at that time, I knew very well, and he called and said, why don't you think about coming down and replacing Mick as the athletic director and coach? And but by that time, I was remarried. Sherry and I were married, and I said, well, here's my chance to get back in, so I did. And yeah. I was there two years, and then Sonny got the job from Miami at Colorado State and asked me if I wanted to go on. The rest is history. Yeah. Do, do you like coaching better than making sandwiches at the VU? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's the same, about the same amount of work. Get up at 4.30 in the morning yeah. and get ready for the day, you know, whether it be for football or make soup and cut meat for sandwiches. It's all yeah. it's all relevant, I guess. If you're going to do it and do it well, you gotta you got to jump in and do it with both hands yeah. and both feet. Was the restaurant side there when you opened, or did you No, guys... it wasn't. We... Uh, <coughs> we uh, that was just an empty, run-down, you know, terrible building at that yeah. time. And we decided, let's give it a try. So we actually flew to Colorado Springs and rented a U-Haul and bought three pizza ovens and loaded them up and a bunch of equipment right. and brought them back and then hired, uh, at that time, uh, Marty Alexander and, and Jack Daly and Jeff Hurd to, to do. They were in the carpentry business, yeah. and they remodeled the whole thing and moved the ovens in, and off we went. Marty Alexander, huh? Yeah. We won a Duffer's Derby at a family day at the Muni one year. <laughs> I think it was either family day or a tournament. We won the Derby. Marty, I was like 11 or 12, and Marty was uh, had been drinking most of the day playing golf. <laughs> <laughs> Not Marty. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun, though. I, 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 I got a kick out of Marty. Yeah, yeah that was quite a crew. And, you know, in those days, the VU was just such a dynamic place. I mean, it was... It was like three different establishments, you know. Yeah. Late afternoon, you had all the blue-collar workers and doctors and lawyers coming in after work, and by seven thirty or eight, then the tech kids, and yeah. you know, it was it was it was a really interesting, interesting place in those days. Yeah. Well, back in the day, you were judged by which style and color of hat you went with. <laughs> Everybody in town had a voo hat. Yeah, we, uh, you know, the Rock and R had started selling hats about yeah. that time, and. We saw that, so we jumped in. Imperial hats, in fact, out of Denver. Yeah, Imperial hats. We started yeah. selling hats and, and T-shirts, and I still wear my boo hat once in a while. Do you still have one? Of course, I have a couple of them. Do yeah. you? Yeah, I think it, it, they should bring them back like that, that style, because <laughs> they're kind of, in a way, they're, you know, the styles come back, come and go, it, it you has, know. You know, we had corduroy, and we had the soft felt kind of thing. Yeah. We had regular, we had all kind, you know, everything you can imagine. Uh, hat wise with yeah. and we sold a ton of hats man we sold a lot of hats yeah that was the first time i was ever in there i believe was with my mom taking me into the bar to shop for a hat because <laughs> you weren't cool yeah. if you didn't have a Vuvilla yeah. hat and uh, of course then when we we when i was at central junior high you get off school at five what 12 10 on fridays fridays was the day yeah. and we'd go over there'd be 16 of us or so and instead of ordering two or three pizzas we'd We'd make you make 16 sandwiches. <laughs> and cut them in fours and eights and twelves and everything else, yeah. right? Yeah. But, you know, we just uh, we created so many great friends in the VU, both both Charlie and I. And, and when we actually opened the, the restaurant part of it, I kind of took over the restaurant and Charlie yeah. did the bar. But, you know, it was one of those businesses that was tremendous, but in the same turn, either he or I were there, you know, 16 hours a day for... I mean, I was only involved for, I guess, six or seven years. Charlie was 21 years in there yeah. and never missed a day, Hardy. I mean, we took a couple short trips, you know, uh, a, 
couple Super Bowl trips and this and that. But other than that, we were in there from six yeah. in the morning until two in the morning, you know, yeah. one or the other of us. And and uh, that's what you had to do. You know, the the freeway was that way with Muzz and Stan. Uh, uh, the club bar was that way. You know, the good bar, yeah. Maloney's, the good bars, the Met. Yeah. The owners were always there in those days. You know, you didn't have managers and this and yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you go thing. to Maloney's right now, and I'm pretty sure Gino's standing there behind yeah. the bar doing something. And, yeah. And, uh, and Maloney's, Pat Maloney's sitting on the other side, you know, drinking a uh, root beer now. Yeah. So, you know, it, uh, those things were pretty unique back in, you know, the Packy Buckleys and Gassay Muzz and Stan and, and uh, Pavlovich and Herbie and, you know, it's yeah. uh, Pete Yerkic. Uh, some, some great, great memories and great people that we were able to, you know, to become friends with in the, in the tavern business. Yeah. And that was, you guys were always good to us too. We'd go hang out there for a while and then we'd go in and play pool a little bit. And then uh Hoagie, our football coach would come in the bartend <laughs> and he'd tell us when it was time that we had to get yeah, the hell out of there. Get out. It's time to leave. <laughs> yeah. It's starting to get dark guys. Yeah. It's time to go home. You know, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't our parents who told us when to go home. It was Hoagie, which is kind of a scary thing. Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef. But did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grande's, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grandes can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grandes Steakhouse inside the historic Bertoglio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at casagrandesteakhouse.com. Casa Grandes Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Shop where the champions shop at Dig City Supply. The Fan Gear headquarters for all things Montana Tech is right across the street from the Uptown Parking Garage on Park Street. Not only can you get your Charlie Ordigger fix, but we carry the area's largest selection of Montana and Montana State apparel, as well as Butte High, Butte Central, and all the elementary school gear. Dig City is also home to the exclusive licensed Butte Icon shirt collection. We partnered with cherished Butte institutions to offer one-of-a-kind graphic tees from places like the Silverbow Drive-In, Beef Trail Ski Area, Bonanza Freeze, and our brand new Evil Knievel designs. Head uptown to Park Street and check out Dig City Supply and find us online at digcitysupply.com. Is your house too cold or is it too hot? Either way, Lockmer Sheet Metal is here to help. With more than 40 years of experience in the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning trade, Lockmer Sheet Metal strives to bring quality service and knowledgeable work to help with your HVAC projects or needs. Lockmer Sheet Metal offers repair services for all forced air, central air systems, installation of new HVAC systems, service contracts for maintenance and service, all residential and commercial applications, fabrication of sheet metal for all types of projects in ventilation and exhaust systems, as well as commercial heating and cooling. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerSheetMetal.com to warm up or cool down with Lockmer Sheet Metal, your local dealer for train heating, cooling, air handling, and ventilation products. Remember Lockmer Sheet Metal for all your home heating and cooling needs. Lone Peak Physical Therapy is your premier privately owned physical therapy, occupational therapy, certified hand therapy, pelvic health, and personal training facility located right here in beautiful Butte, Montana. 
With over 21 years of experience, our team here at Lone Peak is hyper-focused on you, your goals, and finding a way to help you get better faster. We provide one-on-one -on -one care with the highest quality specialized services. Are you tired of dealing with your low back pain, arthritis, carpal tunnel, neck pain, headaches, and shoulder pain? Did you just have a recent surgery? Do you struggle with feeling off balance or do you get dizzy during your day? How about a custom splint built for your hand and wrist? Did you recently have a baby and now your body feels tremendously foreign to you? Look no further. We are here for you and ready to help you move better and feel better every step of the way. You do not need a doctor's referral to come in and see us. We accept health insurance and also offer comprehensive self-pay options. Don't settle for mediocre health care. Your journey to living better and getting back to doing what you love can start today. Give us a call at 406-494-7050 or visit our website at LonePeakPT.com to speak to an expert now. But so you, when you were working there, you probably never thought you'd ever be in big time college football. You know, I, I really, in my mind, I always thought if there's ever an opportunity and it's a right, I, I'd like to get yeah. back into coaching. But I didn't think that would happen. I really didn't. Yeah. And it kind of come out of the clear blue sky. And, you know, like I, I've said a lot of times, it took me about three minutes to think about it and said, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> was know? it a hard decision to leave Western to go with Sonny down in Colorado? Or you was know, that easy? it was because I just, I, I just got back in. I'd been in two years and I'd yeah. made a commitment, you know, that that, they were just actually Mick had two years that they had restarted football and so you know I'd made a commitment to to Mike Easton that hey you know I'm here for the long run I'll yeah. stay here till I retire basically and then yeah. when Sonny called it was an opportunity to you know to get into big time college football and I said let's let's go for it and we did and geez we just had tremendous yeah. success at Colorado State. Were you an offensive coordinator too when you were down? I would never was a coordinator. I was yeah. assistant head coach and running backs coach. But at, at Western though, were you, did you call plays? No, I didn't. Yeah. Uh, I had an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. Yeah. Jeff Choate was a defensive coordinator. Really? Did you run the same kind of offense that Mick? Uh, we changed a little bit yeah. because I was more, Mick was, you know, at that time throwing the ball well, had, around in a great had, screen yeah. game and, and that Truman, type of stuff. Right? Uh, well, Truman had not played for him yet. Oh, really? Uh, he recruited Jason, or I recruited Jason, I guess. Oh, Jason, you coached Truman then? Huh? Yeah, I, I coached Jason and, and, uh, actually Coach Beers, you know, really, really developed Jason Truman, uh, yeah. and had two tremendous seasons before he left with, and again, you know, I was more the the old I formation, yeah. single back guy, <laughs> run the ball, you know, play action yeah. pass. Where at that time, you know, Mick was a big screen guy, that type of thing. Although they run the ball, and and um, you know, Sonny was the same at Montana State. We we didn't throw it all over the yard. You know, we we lined up with a fullback and an yeah. I back, and and had great success. So I, I was more of that. And then when I got to CSU. They were strictly a one-back team at that time, you know, which was a kind of the trend that was, yeah. was an inside-outside zone team. So, it uh, you know, it, even when I come back to Montana, Bobby is a more was more of a you know run it first guy, throw it second, and, yeah. and that was kind of my my background. Yeah, and as a running back coach, does do you like the trend way it is now? There's talk uh, like tonight the in the draft. The one guy, you know, as a Bears fan, I want B. John Robinson from, from yeah. the running back. And people say, oh, you can't drop, draft a running back. Top 10, the game's changed. I'm like, well, I don't want it to change that much. I yeah, like running backs. You know, and it's changed. But, you know, you look at the really good NFL teams, and they all have a good run game, you yeah. know, in addition to, 
you know, to being able to do the things that the Mahomes and yeah. and Hertz and the rest of them do. But uh, you know, I I still think to be a, a really good football team, you've got to be able to run the football and play great defense. Yeah. And you guys at Colorado State always ran the football. We ran it and ran it. And yeah, to say the least. You had some. I was uh, fortunate enough, Bill. I had. In the 15 years I was there, I think I had 10 running backs that ended up playing in the NFL, which was, uh, you know, yeah. they were football players. Now. Yeah. Do you stay in touch with a lot of those guys? Yeah, I do. You know, that's the only reason I I do Facebook is to stay in touch, you know, with former players oh, and really? coaches and things like that, and and it's good. I, but, I, yeah, I do. I still, you know, try to send a text out at Christmas time and Easter and so forth to as many as the former players and coaches that I was able to be with, you know, that, that I could yeah. get to. Yeah, I was uh, I was so excited when the Bears drafted Moses Marino. I really wanted him to be the guy. And he never really got much of a look in the NFL, though. They never... You know, it's, it's weird because the Bears had two CSU quarterbacks. They had Caleb Haney yeah. later on, and they were both CSU quarterbacks. Yeah. But, yeah, Moses, uh, Moses was a really slightly built kid, but, man, he was a good player. Yeah, and I think it was just the name Moses that I wanted him to be the... <laughs> He was Park the defense, you yeah. know. <laughs> there you go. You Bears fans are. are I, We're I, always dreaming of quarterbacks, so oh Bears fans. You know, I a couple times I've stayed at, at Terry McDonald's uh, condominium down in, in Arizona and in, uh, out in, in Glendale. <laughs> He's got Bears uh, covers on the bed, Bears posters, <laughs> Bears towels in the bathroom. No, yeah. <laughs> I said, you know, Terry, you've kind of converted me into being a Bears fan. Yeah. <laughs> Who were who some of the better players that you coached that ended up in the NFL? Oh, God, Cecil Sapp played for a couple of years. Kevin McDougal played three, four years. Damon Washington played. Uh, E.J. Watson played three years. Uh, just, you know, uh, Kyle Bell played two years. Uh, uh, ooh, I, there's two or three more. Just had, yeah. you know, some really, really... Yeah. Stand Cecil Sapp and Kevin McDougal were probably... The two uh, that played a long time, they both played five, six, seven years. And then uh, Calvin Branch went to the Raiders and actually played in the secondary. He played running back for us, but he played in the secondary for the Raiders, and he's still with them uh, as an executive. Really? Uh, and this is 25 That's years cool. later. Yeah. Yeah, it must be fun to see that. Oh, gosh, it is. And we had, we had a stretch at CSU, Bill, where we had in one season – we had, I think, 18 NFL players on rosters yeah. from CSU. Wow. It was, yeah, we had, you know, we beat some good teams, man. We beat Michigan State when Saban was there. We beat Cal. We beat UCLA. We beat Virginia. We beat Missouri. I mean, we beat some big yeah. football Well, programs. that was a run. That was a something Colorado State hadn't seen before, how you guys brought success that they'd never tasted. They had never won a championship till Sonny got yeah. there. They'd played in one bowl game, and that was under Earl Bruce in, in uh, 1991. Yeah. And then the one previous to that, I think, was like 1947, Raisin Bowl. Yeah. And we won three, uh, at that time, WAC championships. And then they merged into the Mountain West, and we won three Mountain West championships. So we played in three Holiday Bowls and three Liberty Bowls in a period of eight years, six six major bowl games. Sonny must be a rock star down there still, right? He is, you know, yeah. and he's still just so dynamic. And the thing about Sonny Lubick, uh, you know, and, and him not living here anymore or being here is just what a tremendous person he is yeah. besides being a great coach. You know, he... Uh, he was, like I say, a motivator that uh, could motivate kids in a, in a different way. 
Uh, he replaced Earl Bruce, and Earl Bruce was a old-time coach. Yeah. You know, uh, there's stories go around when we got there. The kids had to go to training table, and they couldn't wear flip-flops or shorts, and, <laughs> and had to have a collared shirt on, and they had to stand at attention until he walked in the in the yeah. dining hall, you know, to for training table. Yeah. And, uh, when Sonny came, the kids went and you know, muscle shirts and flip-flops and shorts <laughs> and, and everything, and the kids couldn't believe it. But, you know, it was a it was a change for them at that time that they thought, hey, this guy's for real, which was yeah. Sonny. You know, he he, he, he understands us and, and knows where we're at and, and what he needs to do to motivate us and got him motivated. I mean, they played so hard for us, so yeah. hard. It was unbelievable. Sonny wrote a nice book, too. He's had a couple of them, yeah. Oh, the, get the more than one now? The Not So Fast Sunny is, a, is an excellent book. Yeah, I, I never actually opened it and read that book, but it was read to me because Bruce Saylor was reading it. Someone sent it to him to ask him to do like a, re a review uh -huh. for the newspaper when it came out. And he'd read a page and then he'd say, oh, listen to this. And then he'd read the page again out loud. <laughs> and he did that the whole book. He just kept reading, read the stories of Sunny. And we were, the whole night we were sitting there laughing, you know. There's some really interesting yeah. stuff. You know that that Sonny's written, yeah, and he, you know, he works for uh, for the um, credit union bank system that actually has a name Compass Bank and Credit Union out of Denver. And he's still working four or five hours a day. He has an office. Oh, really? On campus, that uh, he teaches a class in the business school on you know leadership and motivation and that mm -hmm. type of stuff. And and uh, yeah, he goes in most every day unless he's you know traveling to watch the, one of the boys do something you know yeah. his youngest son marks with the buffalo bills and his oldest son matt was has been all over the place but he was you know at oregon university of washington and yeah. duke etc cetera, etc cetera. now he's an analyst for kansas but he's working out of fort collins so you know sonny will travel the to watch the boys do their stuff but you know he still gets up and goes to work every morning he, <laughs> he just turned 86 that's awesome i got to meet him one time at a I got, they let me in the Butte High Silver Bees. You know, I was a golfer. I didn't let her Butte High in, in I let her in Butte High in golf, but I didn't let her in football. So I, you know, it's the He-Man Woman Haters Club, you know, the Silver Bees. You don't just go in there, yeah. but I got to go in there because uh, Paffer asked me if I take a picture of him. They could grow pictures, so that's the only reason that was I got to go. That he came back, and Sonny came back, yeah. yeah. So I got to, yeah. I got to shake his hand, meet him, and talk to him for you know just a couple minutes. You know, that was a cool night because that was Sonny and Fraser McDonald and Tom LaProuse, and you know, I mean, yeah. the really old Gus John Hoonan, yeah. you know, the old old time. Actually, I think a couple of those guys were probably I don't know if they got to Diamond Bee, but they were all yeah. Golden Bees. You know? Yeah, not Sonny. Sonny went to Butte Central. Yeah, Sonny, <laughs> and he was there. So uh, he was he was kind of the on the outskirts like I was. You know, I don't know why they're letting this guy there. God, they're just a coach. But yeah, yeah. So we were. Uh, that was a that was a cool night, and that's such a great organization. Oh man, it's yeah. I try to get by there. They even let me come in, you know, and say hello to the guys and that. Yeah, I just love to go back and, and see all the. You have you, you have know, to be accomplished or have the camera to get in <laughs> there, there, there if you're not a letter winner. <laughs> Other than that, they just kind of shut you up <laughs> yeah, at the door. I had the camera. That was what I had. And uh, you ever think about writing a book? You know, I, I probably should have <laughs> a, yeah. a while back. I, it's uh, it would be interesting. I. Uh, it, yeah, I should have yeah. probably, to tell you the truth, just, you know, the tremendous experiences that I had and, you know, between the Butte Central at the beginning and, and the University of Montana at the end, there was a lot of water under those bridges. Yeah. And yeah, you guys get to come back, you coach in the, the Grizz, and that was a, that was a fun staff because you were there, you know, Bob Beers is back. 
You know, it was. Uh, it was, you know, it, come with I Coach Flugrad. Yeah. yeah, I came back. Actually, I, I don't know if you know how that all happened, but I came back for Bob Senior's funeral, Bobby Houck's dad, because mm -hmm. we grew up together. You know, we're a block apart on the yeah. west side there, and and Bob had passed away. Bob Senior had passed away, and uh, and wasn't that old. He had just retired and from Big Timber and was the AD at, at uh, Loyola and Missoula, and, and uh, he passed away anyway, and, and so I came back. We had just got fired at Colorado State, which is another story. That, that's the <laughs> Every, second time you get, I got fired. You get hired, <laughs> you get hired, you're going to be fired, yeah, right? Yeah, and so, uh, you know, as, as sad as that deal was, too, shoot, he has a stadium named after him, the whole deal, and they fire him. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, he looked at me that day, and he says, well, Mick, one thing about it, it isn't going to happen again because I'm done. <laughs> he said twice is enough. Yeah. But uh, I actually came back to Missoula for Bob's dad's funeral, and it had just so happened that Tim had just left and went to UCLA. Uh, just prior to their dad mm. passing away. And Bobby says, well, why don't you think about coming back? Because we had just got fired, and I was going to do some halftime work with the Houston Texans with Kubiak and Beers and those guys. Mm. And, and uh, Bobby says, well, why don't, you, why don't you think about coming back? He said, I'm not going to be here more than two or three more years, and I'm going somewhere. Yeah. You know, he said, either I'm going to get a job or I'll go as a uh, special teams coordinator somewhere, da-da-da-da-da. You know, I th I thought about it, and I thought, well, it's a chance for us to come back to Montana. Why not? So I did. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as always in those days, uh, you didn't sign a contract. You just said, yes, I will, or no, yeah, I yeah. won't. I, he, said, uh, he, uh, he said to me, he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be able to pay you much, but I'll pay you what I paid Tim. And I said, well, that'll be fine. You know, I have no problem as long as I have a courtesy car and a place to play golf and pay my bills. And I said, how much did you pay Tim? He said, nothing. He had lots of money. <laughs> so that kind of started out how that contract yeah. was, although he did come through. And, you, and you're negotiating point and started at zero? Yeah. <laughs> that's so, a tough counter uh, That's how I got back to, back to Missoula. And then I, you know, when he left, had an opportunity to, to go with him to, to Vegas. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I'm, then that's, I bought this house in 2010. Yeah. And uh, uh, lo and behold, you know, Robin talks me into Flugrad into staying. Yeah. He says, well, why don't you stay one year anyway? Because, you, you know, <laughs> you kind of know the landscape, you know, Montana. So I ended up two years with Robin, and then I said, that's it. You know, I'm done. I'm 70 years old. Or, yeah, or, yeah 70 years old. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire and move back to Butte. And so I did. I came back here in December. No, it wasn't, excuse me, January, right after National Letter Day. I, yeah. I waited till recruiting was over. Came back to Butte, and then, you know, all the stuff happened there in the spring. And the president called again and said, would you come back and, and keep us together for a year? And I said, no, I won't do it for a year. I said, that's not fair to the kids to, yeah. you know, with everything that's happened and all that's going on. I said, I can't, I can't do it for a year. Yeah. And he said, well, will you do it for two or three years? I said, that I would do. And so that's, I came back yeah. in the middle of the spring and I'll never forget that. He called on a, I think he, they relieved Robin and, and Mr. O'Day on a Thursday. Spring break started on Friday. And he said, you know, I need to know. I mean, I need to know today because yeah. the kids are going to be leaving tomorrow. We have to have something in place when they come back after spring break. And he said, would you take a drive down? Uh, and <laughs> And so I did, and I went down and met with he and his wife, with, with Dr. Engstrom and his wife. And, and uh, you know, I said, yeah, I'll do it, you know. And, and it was hard. All the coaches were Robin's guys. They yeah. all went there except for me because I'd been there. But the rest of them would all 
came when when Robin got the job. Yeah. He had hired them all, and and uh, you know three of the guys wanted the job. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, tough to and didn't get it, and, yeah. and I did, and I wasn't there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, the first year was really really hard. Yeah, and then you know the older guys like Beers went back to the NFL, and I had to relieve a couple guys that I knew. You know, weren't going to work for me. Yeah, I didn't want to be with me. And I, yeah, and yeah, you hired, want guys that are going to yeah, want to be I there. Right? Hired a bunch of young guys. That was 2012. Was the first season, and 13, we I had I turned over five or six guys on the staff and hired some young dynamic coaches, which four of them now are at, at uh, Oregon State. No, really, including the head coach. Yeah, yeah. so. That's pretty cool. Uh, and 14, 13 and 14 were great seasons and a lot of fun. It was just something that I never, ever dreamed in my wildest dreams that I would end up. You know, when I was a young guy, I thought, God, I'd love to someday yeah. coach the Grizz or the Bobcats. But that had long gone by, yeah. and, and lo and behold, it happened. And just very blessed to, to be able to do that at the end. Yeah, seven years old, and you finally get your chance yeah. to, to, to head job. <laughs> exactly. There's always fun in motion at the Big Red Barn. Old-fashioned service, that's what sets us apart. Where you can win and laugh out loud. The hokey pokey is what it's all about. Where neighborhood people have good old-fashioned fun. There's always something here for everyone. Everybody knows the place to go. Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar. 5518 Designs is your Montana Lifestyle Apparel Headquarters in Uptown Butte. We're gearing up to launch all of our brand new designs for the summer. All our designs are created in-house, actually in the cabin that we have in the back of the store, and they're meant to get you psyched about all your summer adventures. Whether it's biking, hiking, floating, festivaling, or just chilling lakeside, we've got the tees, hats, hoodies, and gifts that everyone is sure to love. And we haven't even mentioned our unique line of Butte gear, but we'll save that for another commercial. In the meantime, stop into 5518 Designs at 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte and shop online at shop5518.com. Are you looking for somewhere to watch your favorite teams play or just somewhere to meet your friends? Or are you looking for a place to hold your big celebration or cater your private event? Look no further than Metal's Sports Bar and Grill. They can do it all. With their 31 big screen televisions, you will not miss a second of action and a full menu of cooked-to-perfection favorites is sure to please. Try the Vault Burger, raise fingers, or one of Chef T's specialty items. Or just enjoy a drink and some friendly company with Dave and the staff as you take in the action at Metal Sports Bar & Grill. Metal Sports Bar & Grill is located on the corner of Park and Main in historic Uptown Butte. Stop by today or check out their menu at metalsportsbarandgrill.com. Metal Sports Bar & Grill, where the food is the star. There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories legendary. Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now, it is even better. 
Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save five cents per gallon off top-tier conical fuel every single day. Plus, earn points at the pump and in the store. You guys lost to Montana State your first year, but then you won the next two years. You beat yeah, them, right? Yeah, we did. We beat them soundly the next two years, and we had them yeah. beat the first year. And, and uh, uh, lo and behold, who I think he had two his whole career, Chase Reynolds fumbled going into the end zone, and and uh, they recovered. We didn't score, and then our quarterback threw an interception on the 10 going in, and, and they beat us by, I think, three that first year. Yeah. But we we handled them pretty good the next two years. That was probably the downfall of poor Coach Ash was yeah. not being able to beat us. <laughs> yeah, that had to feel pretty good. I mean, you talk about remembering who won the Butte High Butte Central game, but winning the Cat Grizz game, I mean, that's... Unbelievable. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget it. You, that, that'd be something I'd think about every morning I woke up. Oh, <laughs> how, <laughs> two how and one against the Cats. I was. Yeah. And, and you know, ironically... As you think back, and like you say, memory-wise, the one in Bozeman just sticks out even more than the one in Missoula. <laughs> yeah, yeah, winning, winning in Bozeman yeah. must be fun. Yeah, you know, I, I can't imagine beating team in a hostile environment like that. It's got to be fun. It's a great, great rivalry game. Goodness sakes, huh? uh, yeah. you know, at CSU we had CSU and CU. We renewed that rivalry. We we actually beat CU. Five times, I think. Really? Four for sure, maybe five times. And that hadn't been done for only once in 40 years, too. Yeah. But, you know, we had CSU, CU. We had CSU, Wyoming, which was a huge rivalry. CSU, Air Force. And we had great rivalries, yeah. you know, those three particularly. Yeah. Did, did you have to talk Sherry into taking that job, or was she she on board when you got the, the she's head job? Always, she's been tremendous. She's always been on Really? Board. She's always you know, supportive. She's a sport, well, that's what it takes. a sport lady. <laughs> You're either a single coach or you got a you got a great support staff behind oh, you, right? God, when you're yeah. when you're I'm with sure your family. So I was so lucky. Patsy was the same way, you know. Just uh, you know, go coach, and I'll take care of the family and the kids. Yeah, and do all that kind of stuff. Sure, you didn't have to worry too much about the kids. Melissa and her had some interesting times at the beginning. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because Missy was, I think she was 13, yeah. 12 or 13. So that was a challenge. I, yeah. I often joked, I said, I didn't know which one was going to run away first, Missy or Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of them did, thank goodness. That's good. Well, that, that really changed your the way your, your legacy probably as a coach. I mean, obviously, you know, you're still the same coach if you didn't coach those final three years as a head coach of the Grizz, you know, and every, all the coaches respect you. But... You walk down the street today, you walk into a building, people say, there's there's a coach the Grizz. You know, that, that probably really changed yeah. the way you're looked at, remembered by other people. Yeah, probably. I mean, not probably. It surely did. Yeah. And, you know, whether, uh, you know, uh, just so humbled to have that opportunity. And and still, you know, just so thankful that that uh, I was able to do that and, and, you know, do it which I felt was the right way and, and uh, end up, you know, whatever I was, 73, 74 years old, as as having been able to do that. Yeah. Well, they talk about the president candidates being too old to do something, and you're 74 coaching football. At. You didn't seem That's too old. old to me. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> a <laughs> was, lot of people thought it was way too old. <laughs> was it Was it hard to – did you notice a lot of different things? Was it harder to get up every day to coach, or was it – No, you know, it, it just 
it just saw such a demanding job. I mean, it was it's, it's not a 40 hour a week job. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Bill? I, there was hardly a day went by. I wasn't in the office by four thirty in the morning. Yeah. And again, I, I had a different philosophy, you know, the, the old coaches, the Petrinos and the Sweeney's and those people, they worked till midnight every single day, but they sat around the office from seven thirty till 10, yeah. you know, arguing about stuff. And then from 10 to 12, <laughs> Falling half asleep and yeah. and Sonny, I, I, Sonny Lubick was great. I, I decided that you know I had young coaches, they had families, and we went to work at six in the morning. I went at four thirty, but we went home after practice, you know, yeah. on, except for on Sundays, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Went home at seven o'clock and and started at six in the morning, and you know they got to see their kids for dinner and and uh, put them to bed and that stuff. So, you know, it's just a. a <clears throat> A lot of things, but but coaching was never less than a 110, 20 hour yeah. uh, a week job. It's not an easy profession. You see, even at Montana Tech, you look at what they got now. It's Coach Green always put in those hours, but there used to be Coach Green and Schleeman was the only assistant he had. Yeah. Now they got all kinds of coaches up there, and you drive by their offices at 10 o'clock at night in 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 June, and the lights are on. You know, it is, and now you got the transfer porter and the portal and the nil and things i just uh, uh i'm not a fan of any of that yeah. myself that know? would be so frustrating when you see a quarterback enters the transfer portal before senior year yeah and i guess you know i talked to jeff choate the other day and he said well you either jump in and learn how to do it and and hopefully manage it the right way yeah. or you get out he said yeah. you, you, there's no in between with excuse me with that type of stuff so I, I really don't know if I were to do it all over and had to was just starting now as a young coach. Yeah, I would do everything in my power to coach in the NFL. Yeah, uh, and you know bypass the college situation because of because of what it is. I mean, you take the NIL and you go into the major major programs, the Alabamas, Ohio State, et cetera. Yeah. There's probably fifteen athletes making more than the assistant coaches yeah. in their NIL deals. <laughs> you know, that's a, a scary situation. Yeah, how you can have control over a guy who makes more money than you, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and uh, a guy but not a whole bunch of yeah, guys. A whole bunch of them. And then a whole bunch that aren't getting much of you're you know, not getting yeah. there. I don't know. I, I, I don't understand it all for It's sure. gotta cause a lot of problems when you see some guys not making any money, some guys making a ton of money. Well, you look at the young Manning kid. It just I just saw a thing the other day. His NIL deal supposedly is two point nine million dollars, and he's never thrown a pass in a college football game. Wow. You know that's uh, to me that's out of touch. That and, doesn't seem uh, right. Yeah. I think I think it's going to have a bad effect on college football yeah. before it's all said and done, unless they learn how to manage it a little bit. The you know the NCAA always had the control so to speak over everything you know they really yeah. didn't in recruiting either because so many people were cheating in football and basketball and still are yeah but uh they have no control over the nil situation whatsoever yeah. and, it's like uh, the wild west right now it's probably worse yeah. than that yeah you know uh the, the the idea behind the transfer portal was probably okay because it was supposedly at the beginning either kids were not good enough to play and could move, you know, move on and yeah. an opportunity to play somewhere else because they weren't quite athletic enough to play where they were at. And that's turned into nothing more than a, again, a bidding war as to who's going to pay you the most to leave, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and to get up every day and wonder which one of your, I mean, you got 
you know, four instances of started four, three or four year starting quarterbacks leaving their programs yeah. and going somewhere else. And that to me is dangerous. Yeah. And I saw what was the Notre Dame quarterback entered the portal this week. He said he didn't want people to reach out to him. And then he's not ruled out returning to Notre Dame. And it's just, that's some, that's well, a headache that's a coach because, never used to have. That's because the Vanderbilt guy goes to Notre Dame. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or wait, was it Wake or Vanderbilt? Anyway. Yeah. It was one of those two. But uh, that's something that coaches never used to have to worry about. Get up in the morning and wonder who's leaving. You yeah, know? and they got to check Twitter and see who's going, you know, and check yeah, all that it's stuff. A, it's a crazy world now with college football. Yeah. It's, did you ever have a chance to coach in the NFL? You know, I never did, and I never pursued it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I did. imagine if you worked at it, you probably had a chance. Uh, I looked at the scouting stuff and, and would have loved yeah. to have done that had I not went to Montana. Yeah. You know, because uh, I I just. Always and still do enjoy being around coaches and players, and you know that's why I've done a good amount of work with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes stuff, working with coaches yeah. and and going by high schools and spending time with players and and coaches and stuff, just yeah. because I enjoy that. So and you're much. still doing that, right? You know, I have. I didn't last fall because I was really battling some health stuff yeah. after the COVID and a pacemaker and asthma and high blood pressure and all that kind of crap. But hopefully this fall I'll be able to get back to it some, yeah. Yeah. You like doing that? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I just really, really enjoy having the opportunity to be able to, you know, to to work with young coaches and tell them, hey, you know, you can be a a believer and a good, strong Christian and still be a good coach. (laughs) (laughs) Don't have to be one uh, mutually exclusive, right? (laughs) And uh, now you have any grandkids left playing? No, of course they're all you know oh. they're all old now. Guido's the, is the youngest of all the grandkids, and he's twenty, twenty one, about to be twenty two. And you know he had his two years at Montana, and then had got his fourth and fifth concussion, yeah. so that was uh, the end of him. But uh, you know I got to coach Mick, uh, my son Mike's son at Montana, and that was real special. Yeah, and uh, Guido, I remember one time I asked him if he could. He was golfing. Remember the year he would golf? Yeah. And I asked him if he could beat his grandpa Mick in golf, and he said he could. I told you you were doing. The, I think you're doing the radio at the game that that night. And I said Guido said that he could uh, beat you. And you said Guido shot a 98 today. I've never <laughs> shoot a 98. <laughs> so no, we've always teased about yeah. that. In fact, I'm going up the Flathead uh, tomorrow. I'm going to play golf with you know Megan, my granddaughter, won the state golf championship at Bozeman. Yeah. And then Mick and Guido both play pretty good. So the four of us are going to knock it around on Sunday at. Uh, yeah, at uh, Northern Pines. Yeah, you've had your grandkids have had a lot of success. You know, they had, Guido was a tremendous athlete. I mean, he, you know, he played golf one year that he didn't play football. Yeah. Then he grew a foot he and a half. Yeah, played <laughs> tennis. You know, was yeah. placed in the state tennis meet and played football. Never did play basketball, but he was his best sport of all was hockey. He was a tremendous yeah. hockey yeah. player, as was my granddaughter and grandson, uh, Mick's daughter and, and son. Yeah. That's my phone's ringing. Uh-oh. Sorry. No problem. I thought I shut it off. <laughs> hey, can I call you back? Yeah, I'm just in the middle. I'm doing a podcast with Bill Foley, so I'll give you a call here in just a little bit. Okay. He's got his pilot's license and he's going to flight school. Oh, does he? That's awesome. Guido calls right when we're talking about Guido. Yeah. <laughs> he, he heard his. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> he, he heard us uh, 
talking about them somewhere. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it was it's great to do things with the grandkids. Uh, they can beat me in golf now occasionally. Yeah. You know, I still get the upper hand when it comes to trash talking, so I, <laughs> I can get them rattled in a hurry. Yeah. Well, yeah, you probably got the the old veteran moves by now, though. You know how to you know how to talk them out of making that four foot putt, yeah. right? Which button to push and when to push it. <laughs> so, and you, your plans are to stay in Butte then? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we've been very blessed to be able to get out of here in part of December and January and February, and, and uh, hopefully maybe in March next year we'll see. Uh, I was yeah. gone in January, February, and March this year, but, you know, again, the weather wasn't great this winter in yeah. California or in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bad, it was bad down in the, the south there. It really was. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. So do you ever, uh, ever get a chance to go up to Vu? pizza anymore ever you know i haven't and i no. don't know why i just uh you know charlie charlie's never went and i think i went for lunch one time but i guess when you spend as many hours in there as we did yeah. when he walked out the door he said that's it I, yeah i don't ever i'm never going back yeah i think i saw him when he sometimes like uh <laughs> 10 years ago that he sold it and i said have you been back to check it out and he goes last time i was in there was this date whatever he said, yeah. i have no idea goes so, no but I, you know that just changed hands again I, it has a new owner, and, and uh, it's back open. You know, it was closed for, what, almost a year, I think, the bar yeah. part of it. And now it's open, and, you know, that business has changed so much, too, through the years. I mean, people just, even young people don't go hang out in the bars anymore, mm. very seldom. Yeah, it may be a tough business to get into. Oh, gosh. That's for sure. But they should, whatever they do, they should start selling the hats again. That, that uh, The old school hats. That would be a good move for somebody, I think. Yeah, that was a that was a great move, and I wish I still had one. Of course, I I'm still to this day I get a hat and I wear the same hat, you know, three years in a row. <laughs> I know you, you do. You know, either your Red Sox or your Bears. Yeah, hat, right? <laughs> and uh, so every hat I had by the time it was done, I never had another one to put on. It was all worn out. So I'll I never... see if I can find you one. <laughs> I've got a couple of them around. I'll see if I can yeah. dig one out for you. <laughs> all right. Well, Coach, I appreciate you you giving me a time today. Gosh, Bill, it's always great to visit, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just so exciting to see what you're doing uh, now with Butte stuff, uh, even with Butte Sports, you know, it was something that everybody identified you with as, as to what a great job you did uh, in promoting Butte and sports and, you know, being involved in the Hall of Fame and, and stuff like that. It's just uh, uh, you're really special for Butte, and uh, it's great to spend time with you. Right. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. Proud to be from you, America, USA.